Good morning. It is good to see you. Good to see you if you're here in the building, and great to have you with us, too, if you're tuning in online, joining us uh, by streaming. Great to have you uh, joining us. Hey, just one quick, uh, I love Kelly, just want to correct that real quick. So starting point is not at 9.30, it's actually at 10.30 and noon following each of the services, just to be clear. So you can attend worship and then come to starting point if you're newer. Just want to clarify that. Uh, Kelly was just so excited about it that she just, you know, she wants it all the time. So, um, uh, well, hey, my, my name is Joshua. If you don't know who I am, I am the director of ministry here at Edinburgh Church. And Pastor Brent is getting a much needed break because he's been a preaching machine lately. Uh, and man, they've, it's, it's just been so good to have him, my pastor, I, he's my pastor, and uh, to have him pouring into us. And uh, so we're just grateful he can have a break today. And I have the privilege of starting and launching a new series this week. It's going to go for several weeks, titled Encountering Jesus. Now, I'm personally really excited about this series because we're going to look at stories of people that crossed paths with Jesus while he was here on earth and their encounters with him. And what I love about reading the Gospels and reading about the life of Jesus is trying to imagine, trying to picture what it was like. I love to try to imagine the backdrop. What, what did it look like? Who was there? What are the emotions that were going through people's minds and hearts? All the details of what it was like to actually meet Jesus. I love thinking about that. You see, when people encountered this guy named Jesus, uh, something in them changed. They were transformed in some way. People were willing to follow him, whatever the cost. Sinners, they wanted to get close to him. People who were hurting, they went looking for him. These encounters, they didn't just change the individual, but we know that eventually they would change the world, which is crazy to me. What kind of person could have that kind of impact? What was it about Jesus? And that's what we're going to dive into. Well, here's what I believe, church. Here's what I believe, friends, if you're tuning in online as well. Here's what I believe. I believe that even though we can't see him face-to-face today, He's still in the business of changing lives. Now, I know this because I've been fortunate to hear some of your stories. And they're awesome stories of how you encountered God through the person of Jesus Christ. And I can stand before you to say with confidence that he has changed my life. My life, when I was a teenager, was a mess. I can't even tell you how dysfunctional I was until I encountered Jesus Christ, and it radically changed my life's my life. So we're going to start this series by looking at one of the very first encounters that Jesus had when he called, it's called called the first disciples. You see, when Jesus started his ministry on earth, he started by inviting several people to follow him and to join his ministry. Now, little did they realize just how radically their lives would change by saying yes to that endeavor. Now, the challenge for us today is to understand what was going on back in the culture back then, okay? Because the culture that we live in today looks vastly different than it did in Jesus' day. So we have to take the concepts of what it meant to follow Jesus back then and try to understand, well, what does that mean for us today? And I hope to do that today. And it might even mean a little bit of a paradigm shift for some of you, I don't know, maybe, that's kind of my hope, that it'll change your way of thinking, what does it mean to actually follow Jesus? 
So let's dive into this first encounter with those who would become his closest disciples. We're going to start right off the bat. We're going to just pick up the very first gospel when you open the New Testament. It's the book of Matthew. Here's what it says. If you brought your Bible, you can open to Matthew chapter 4. Here's what it says. As he, that's Jesus, as Jesus was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, we all know Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Follow me, he told them, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with Zebedee, their father, preparing their nets. And he called them, follow me. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now, can I just be honest? When we read this, <laughs> like we automatically think that Jesus has never met these guys before and they just dropped what they were doing and they left dad in the boat and they followed a complete stranger. Isn't that kind of what it sounds like? It, it kind of, when I read it, that's what I think. That's what it looks like. But that's not what is happening here. You see, the key to understanding Jesus calling the disciples is that we actually have to read all four Gospels and then put the pieces together to understand what's happening here. So let's start, I'm just kind of yanking your chain a little bit. Let's start with where we should have started where, so we can put it all together. We're going to actually go and we're going to read Jesus' first encounter in the book of John, okay? Because we won't understand what happened here in Matthew until we first read what happened in John. So let's look at what happens in John, okay? I'm, I'm having a little fun with you. Here's what it says in John chapter 1. It says, the next day, John, by the way, this is John the Baptist. We all probably heard of John the Baptist. The next day, John the Baptist was standing with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, there he is. The Lamb of God. You guys, that's the Messiah. That's what he told those two disciples. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Now, when Jesus turned and noticed them following him, he asked them, what are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Now, this is where I love to try to picture what it was like. I can almost picture Jesus with a little bit of a smile and a little twinkle in his eye. And here's what he says. He says, come and you'll see. Come and you'll see. Come with me, he replied. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. Friends, when you say that, they spent the whole day with Jesus, listening, dialoguing with him. It was about four in the afternoon. That means they stayed with him until about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John, John the Baptist, and followed Jesus. He first found his brother Simon and told him, you're not going to believe this. We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought Simon to Jesus. Now when Jesus saw him, he said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. You see, now if you go back and read the account in Matthew after the fact, we understand that these guys knew each other already. Okay, we got to know that. They didn't just drop what they were doing, leave dad in the boat, and follow a complete stranger. That's not what was going on. 
Jesus knew these men. Why? Because they had a connection through John the Baptist. He had built a relationship with them after John pointed Jesus out to them and says, man, you should be following that guy. And I love John's attitude and spirit in that. He was even asked at one point later in the Gospels, they said, hey, doesn't that bother you, John, that your disciples are leaving you and following Jesus? Do you know what John's response was? It was so perfect. He says, no. He says, I'm, he must increase. I must decrease. What an incredible answer. You see, when we read all four Gospels of Jesus' encounter with the first disciples, we start to see that Jesus called them to follow him more than once. We didn't understand that. Again, understand the culture back then. Oftentimes in Jesus' day, being a disciple of a rabbi, that's what Jesus was, by the way, a rabbi, it did not mean that you had to leave your occupation. That wasn't always the case. These guys still fished. And when it was time to learn or have a discussion with the rabbi, what did he do? He called you. He called you. So you went with him for the day, and then you returned to your job later. Jesus called the disciples to follow him on multiple occasions. It was continuous. It was a continuous invitation. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. As you read through the encounter with Jesus and th that he had with these guys, now we're going to see several things that I love that are going to begin to emerge that I want to share with you today. Important things for us to know and understand, realizing this. Jesus is still in the business of calling people today. There's three things I want to share with you. First, I want you to notice that it's Jesus that takes the initiative. Jesus is the one who takes the initiative. In each of these encounters, where is Jesus? He's out and about. He's not sitting at home or sitting in the synagogue waiting for people to come to him. He's making himself available to the people. He came to where these fishermen were located. He, he met them on their turf. See, back in Bible times, followers who wanted to know more of God or walk with the rabbi, they would seek out their favorite rabbi or teacher to kind of personally mentor them. It'd be kind of like a graduate student looking for a professor to personally mentor them. Jesus turned this a little bit on its head as he took the initiative to seek out each of his followers. He, in his own way, chose them. Now, if you continue to read, you know, through the Gospels and who these disciples were and their, you start to see their personalities, you kind of wonder, why in the world did Jesus choose these guys? Because they were arrogant. They were prideful. They were kind of dense at times. Sorry. They tended to squabble among themselves which one was the greatest. They seemed to follow very little of what he was actually teaching them. Yet, Jesus saw something in these guys that they didn't yet see in themselves. Jesus, being God's representative on earth, paints this beautiful picture, you guys. I love this, of how God chooses us, about he pursues and calls us. Now, if you're a believer, you might talk about or you might remember, right, that time that you gave your life to Jesus, how you pursued a relationship with him. Now, all that is true, but something happened even before that. God first took the initiative to reach out to you. 
You see, the Bible says that no one comes to the Father alone without the Father already working on their heart to bring them to him. That's why if you see someone, and I love seeing this, and I never say anything, but I love seeing this. If you see someone who has this spiritual curiosity, right? Perhaps they're asking questions about God or heaven. I'm convinced, man, that's God, and that's God working on that person and calling them, wooing them to himself. And the Bible confirms this idea. This guy named Paul who wrote this letter to a church in uh, Ephesus. And he said this in the book of Ephesians. He said this right in chapter 1. He said, in Christ, he chose us before the world was made. Later on, even Jesus confirms this. Later on, as he was sitting with his disciples one day, talking with them. They've been together for a while. He says this in John 15. He says, listen, you did not choose me but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain. The Bible confirms this idea that God is constantly wooing, calling us, initiating with us. Here's another way of thinking of it. <clears throat> Can you remember when you were dating or pursuing that someone that you really liked? And one of you, right, usually was chasing after the other. I actually... Just to be ultra cheesy, I actually have a picture of Christina and I in college when we were chasing, chasing each other, pursuing each other. They got, man, we were so young. That's two people that have no idea what they were doing, just for the record. We were so young. Way to, way to rock the overalls, honey. Looking good. That's, uh, I heard those are coming back, by the way. Um, <laughs> long time ago. But here's the, usually... We think, right, it's the guy chasing the girl. But sometimes, <laughs> sometimes the girl is at work behind the scenes to help the guy, who maybe is not so bright, to want to chase her. Now, I'm not going to tell you if that was the case with Christina and I. You're just going to have to guess. But so it is with God, who is at work behind the scenes to call us to himself. Why? Because he loves you. He wants to walk with you every day, whether you realize it or not. God is dropping hints and initiating all the time that he wants to be with you. Who knows how he's trying to get your attention? Maybe, maybe recently you, 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 saw something, you saw a sunset, a sunrise, that could be anything, that just, it just stirred your heart. And you don't know why, but it made you pause. You just paused for just a second, and you just pondered life. Or maybe you, you, you did something, maybe you felt remorse for something, and, and, and you felt convicted to make it right, and you're like, where did that come from? Or Maybe you're going through something really hard right now. Maybe you're going through something really difficult. Can I just encourage you, in those moments, don't push God away. I'd encourage you to stop and think, God, are you, are you trying to say something to me in those moments? Reach out. Draw closer to him. Don't push him away. Because it could very well be God's way of trying to get your attention and say, what? 
follow me. Follow me through this. Whatever the case, don't let those moments slip by. They could very well be God trying to draw closer to you. And that leads me to my next point. That Jesus, when you look at the calling, when he calls the disciples, Jesus calls us to relationship, not rules or religion. Let's go back to 1 John, okay? This, this little interaction here. When Jesus turned and noticed them following him, he asked them, what are you looking for? Remember, twinkle, smile, a little twinkle in his eye? He said, Rabbi, where are you staying? He said, hey, come and see. Come and see. Come spend time with me. Come check out what I have to say. Come dialogue with me. Everything about Jesus' interaction with the disciples points to a relationship. We need to understand this was the cultural norm back in Jesus' day and place. And I think this is a big reason why God the Father chose to send his son into this moment in history. I mean, think about it. He could have placed Jesus, his, his, his kid, anywhere in all of human history, but he chose to put him at this moment in Israel at that time. Why? To demonstrate the characteristic that our God is a personal God who cares about you, not a religion or a religious movement. If I could just take a slight rabbit trail, if you're new to Enbrook and you think that we care about religion, I'm here to tell you, you are wrong. What we as a church care about is that you meet and encounter a real living God who is crazy about you. And he desires that relationship with you. Notice he does not say to the disciples, hey, follow my teaching. He didn't say that off the bat. Keep these rules. He didn't say that. He said, oh, if you'll please sign here, agreeing to these rules and regulations, then you're in. Nope, he didn't say that. What did he say? He said, come and see. Come and check it out. Follow me. Let's talk. Let's start a relationship. You know, unlike many of our contemporary discipleship programs, friends, there was no curriculum or agenda back then. It was just a holistic discipling experience that he called them into. Rather, it was a continual daily relational experience where the disciples could observe and watch and learn from Jesus the rabbi to soak up as much from their teacher. You know what the beauty of this is? Emulation. Emulation by talking with Jesus and walking with Jesus and watching what Jesus did, how he treated people, how he handled situations, how he spoke. Jesus was modeling for them how to live, how to act, how to walk with God. It's highly relational. So for three years, that's what he does with these guys. He mentors the disciples. He heals, they watch. He teaches, they listen and dialogue with him. He proclaims, and they're taking note. Three years, you guys, that's a really long time to walk around Israel and the surrounding Greek sediments. It's, it's time that Jesus takes to invest in those 12. And guess what? After he's gone, what will they do? After he is gone, they will do exactly what Jesus did. They will teach, they will preach, and they will heal. Teach, preach, heal. Teach, preach, heal. Later, 
these dozen unlikely candidates will lead a movement that will what? Change the world. Why? Because Jesus modeled what they should do and how they should live through relationship, not religion. Excuse me. Friends, this is what Jesus wants of us today. To watch and follow Jesus so closely that his behavior becomes our behavior. His behavior rubs off on us. So how do we do that? I just, very quickly, two simple ways. First, and you've heard me say this a million times. I'm going to say it a million more. You've got to be spending time in God's word every day. It's so important. We can't learn how to live and act unless we're reading God's instruction manual and saying, what, what do you want to teach me, God? So I've got to ask you, are you making time to sit down and be in his word every day, to examine what it says and say, God, I want to be more like Jesus? If you don't know where to start, maybe you're, hearing, you're feeling like I'm off track or like I don't even know where to start. Do not start with Leviticus, okay? Don't, even, don't do that. Can I just encourage you? Open up the New Testament and start with the book of John. Just open up the Gospel of John and read and study Jesus. Watch how he interacts with people, how he lives his life. Incredible way to learn from the rabbi. The second thing is we got to be rubbing shoulders with others who are following Jesus. Surround yourself with others who love Jesus. Friends, this decision to do this was huge for me when I chose to follow Jesus at age 17. I started to look for friends that loved Jesus. Why? Because there's something different about them. There was something appealing about them. I hung out with them. I talked with them. I watched them. I even studied them. Don't tell them that. That's a little creepy. But I did. I wanted to emulate them. Were they perfect all the time? <laughs> of course not. But, they, but they, made, they sure made an impact on my life that was greater than if I would have emulated my previous set of friends. Just being honest. You study God's word and you rub shoulders with others who follow and love Jesus as well. This is two incredible ways, you guys, to become more like Jesus and learn from that relationship. My third point is more of a challenge for you today. Something to maybe think differently about if you haven't thought of this before. And I want us to understand, and I mean this with all of my heart, you guys, that being a follower of Jesus Christ is a way of life. It's a way of life. It, it's holistic. Following Christ is meant to spill into every area of your life. I, I looked up the definition of way of life this week. And here's the definition. Here's what it means. Way of life. An important activity, job, etc. that affects all, all parts of someone's life. All. You should underline it. <clears throat> Friends, following Christ is not a job. People are like, well, you're the pastor. You're supposed to follow. No, we're all supposed to follow Jesus Christ. It's not an occupation. It's not something... You do only on Sundays. It's not a list of do's and don'ts that you check off every week. That's not what it's about. Following Christ is a way of life. Look at Jesus' encounter. We're going to look at Jesus' encounter with the disciples in the book of Luke. 
Now, I want you to read this and understand that Jesus has been with these guys for a while now. He's called them on multiple occasions. He's built up a relationship with them. He now knows them. He's been teaching them. He's been showing them what he's about and what his priorities are. And now he will invite them into the grand adventure. He will invite them into a way of life. Here's Luke's account of meeting the disciples. As the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing by Lake Gennesaret. He saw two boats at the edge of the lake. The fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon. Remember, that's Peter. Already knows Peter. And he asked him to put out a little bit from land. Then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. I love this picture. like this crowd on the beach, right? And he's sitting in the boat a few feet away, floating in the water, and he's teaching the people. Love that. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, he says, hey, let's go fish. Why don't we, why don't we put out into the deep water and let's, let's just let down your nets for a catch. Let's just see what happens. Now, I love, here's how I know they have a relationship. What does Simon call Jesus? Master. He says, master, Simon replied. And I, let's be honest. He's tired. He's probably a little like, oh, really? We've worked hard all night and caught nothing. But I love his attitude. He says, but you know what? You're my rabbi. You're my teacher. If you say so, okay, I'll, do, I'll let down the nets. I love his obedience there. When they did this, they caught a great number of fish, huge load of fish, and their nets began to tear So they signaled to the partners on the other boat, come help, help us. They came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Now when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me. God, I am a sinful man, Lord. Peter recognizes I am in the presence of greatness here. God, I'm not worthy. I am a peon. For all, for he and all those with him were amazed at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John. That was probably the partners that were in the other boat, right? Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's partners. Come help, we got so many fish. Now don't miss this. Don't be afraid, Jesus told Simon. From now on, if you're a note taker and you, you, you're like okay to write in your Bible, it's not sacrilegious, it's okay, I would encourage you to write, underline, from now on. From now on, you will be catching people. Love that phrase, from now on, things are going to be different. Then they brought the boats to land. You should also underline this, left everything, left everything and followed him. Guys, this is the moment that Jesus now calls them into full-time ministry, traveling with him. Because up to this point, it was just an occasional, hey, follow me. We got things to talk about. Let's talk. This is the moment where he says, follow me. It's, I want you to spend the rest of your lives with me. I want to give you a new way of life. But often we read that, and where do our minds simply turn to? They just think Jesus is asking them to change jobs. No. It's way more personal than that. 
Because Jesus has now called them to be with him 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He's calling them to have every part of their lives observed by him. He's going to call out and speak into things that might make them uncomfortable. He's going to challenge them to think differently about the way they act or the way they behave or the way they treat others or words they use. Jesus will know which disciple didn't replace the toilet paper roll after using the restroom. He's going to know it's that personal. He will know every little idiosyncrasy. He will know all their biased attitudes. He will know every habit they have. And by saying yes to following Jesus and leaving everything to go with him, they are about to have their entire way of life changed. Now, for us today, I get it. That might sound absolutely terrifying. It is kind of intimidating, isn't it? But we've got to remember, this, this is Jesus that gives this invitation. It's not meant to be a fear thing. It's meant to be a freeing thing. Jesus came. Do you know why? He said, I came that you will have life. It's supposed to be a freeing thing. By saying yes to following Jesus and inviting him into every part of your life, friends, he wants to transform you and take you on the adventure of a lifetime. He wants to make you a new creation. That's what it's about. So I, I want to close today by challenging two different types of people. Two different types of people that might be here or watching online. And the first group is those of you, and you're hearing this message, and you're still not really sure what to think about Jesus. You're just, that's okay. If that's you and you haven't say, I just haven't crossed that line. I'm not sure about Jesus. I'm here to tell you it's okay. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you as one of the pastors, Edinburgh is a safe place. You can ask questions here. You can explore, and I guarantee you, at least from a pastoral staff, we're not going to judge you for that. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to probe. But here's the challenge that I would give you. And I'd give you the same challenge that he gave the very first disciples when they said, Jesus, where are you stand? What did he say? He said, just come and see. I'd encourage you, just come and see. Come check out the claims of Jesus. Look into it. Explore them for yourself. Come learn what he was about, what he did in his life. Then decide. You decide if you want to follow him or not. You don't have to sign on the dotted line right away. He didn't with the disciples. He gave them time. He just said, come and see. Edinburgh is a safe place to explore, no matter where you are on your faith journey. The second type of person that I would like to challenge and that might be the majority of you, I don't know, are those of you, and you've made a decision to follow Jesus. And my challenge is to ask yourself this question. Have I allowed Jesus into every area of my life? 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Have I allowed Jesus into my relationships? Or my job? Have I allowed Jesus into 
my finances, my money, my stuff? Have I allowed Jesus access to my closet full of skeletons? Friends, being a follower of Jesus Christ is holistic. He wants all of you. He wants all parts of your life, not just a few pieces. And I would invite you to think on this this week, if that's you. Be real. Be genuine with the Spirit. That's the beauty of prayer, is you can just you can be genuine and just tell God, here's, here's where I'm at. <laughs> I'm a mess. But I'm inviting you into all of it. Come and change me. Why? Because I want to follow you. So here's what I want to do to just close our morning. I just want to invite you into this prayer. And I want to say a prayer. And if, if that's you, I would just invite you to pray this prayer with me. And this is a prayer you can pray every morning. So would you do that? Would you, would you pray with me this morning? Well, Jesus, first, thank you for this new day. It's a gift. And I'm here, and you're here with me. And Lord, I just invite you into every area of my life today to lead and guide me as you see fit. Give me the courage to follow you into the areas that I am probably hesitant at times to allow you access to. <laughs> God, I want, I want freedom. I want to live. So help me let go of the areas that I'm still holding on to and that I'm scared to let go of, including the closet. Lord, I want to follow you. May my life be shaped and molded more and more into what Jesus modeled, even if it requires change. So Lord, I invite your Holy Spirit, please breathe new life into me. Breathe freedom into me and bring adventure into every area of my life. And I ask this and I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ.